0: text this afternoon is Colossians 3 verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. After the sermon, let's sing Psalm 46, stanzas one. congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. This sermon is going to be a little bit unbalanced, not in the sense that I'm going to get unhinged, but the focus primarily is not on the entire verse, but particularly the verses, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude. Of the text that actually a lot of people miss. You know, when you look at this verse, people will often see three separate parts. The first part would be then, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Thought all on its own. Then the second part would be, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. that word of God dwell in you richly as you teach each other through That this afternoon. And that right away raises a, a concern. I, I notice, not necessarily Justin Emmanuel, my own congregation and others, there are those who don't sing during a worship service. And it's often men, young men, even teenagers. I, I don't know why. Maybe they lost their voice, maybe they got a beef with somebody. Is anyone who's not singing, who could sing, if you're not singing, you are depriving yourself of the joy of Jesus Christ, and you are depriving the people who are around you as well. That is a serious matter. If you're losing out in the joy of a worship service, if you're if you're losing out in sharing your joy and faith with people around you, that is a serious indictment, that's a serious charge uh, against us. And We, we get into our sermon, uh, into the text itself, is that we know that the Reformation of the 16th century was about bringing the Word of God back to the people. What we tend to forget is that men like Martin Luther and John Calvin didn't just bring the Word back to the congregation, they bring the Psalms back to the people. Singing in, in the church up to the 16th century was sung by the clergy, or by official choirs, particularly Martin Luther, who says the psalms belong to the people. They are to sing them. You have the word, you have the singing, they go together, and that was a a great gift of the Reformation. So, without further ado, let's, let's go to our text, which we summarize in this way. Sing psalms who is in the psalm and how do we sing the psalms now before we do anything else let's uh, let's have a, a good look at the translation of our text colossians 3 verse 16 if you look at the the NIV which we have it basically reads like this let the word of christ dwell in you richly and then it says you do that through let the word of God dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. The problem is, in the original Greek, there is no word and. The Greek does not say and. Like this, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. It's more or less the same point we made in the introduction. What this verse is saying is the word of God dwells in you richly, and you encourage each other through Singing of psalms, hymns, and other spiritual songs. So, what's happening is we're in a worship service like we are this afternoon. Who's doing all the talking? It's the preacher. The preacher's talking, and you hear this message. Hopefully you're getting excited. It's it's, it's filling you. It's it's touching you. And it's at that moment that you can finally sing. You know, think after after the sermon, we rise as a congregation. All that joy in your heart, that thanksgiving to God, now you can belt it out. Now you can sing about it. A, an emotional, spiritual high to respond to the Word of God, singing our gratitude for Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. It's in the singing that the Word of God really sings, sinks into our heart, and the people who are around me, when they hear my joy, when they hear my comfort, will also rich when we can respond to that with the singing of psalms, hymns, and other spiritual songs. So that that, that matter of proper translation is, is one thing. The other thing is, let's look for a moment at, at the exact meaning of these words, psalm, people who have a book of praise, we probably think, well, the psalm, that's 150 psalms, and a hymn, that's those 85 hymns that we have in the second part of our psalter. But you should be aware that in in the Bible, the word hymn here is another word for psalm, especially the, the Greek word that Paul uses. If you look at the Greek translation of the Old Testament in the psalms, you will see that the word Paul uses found in the titles of many Old Testament psalms. It is entirely possible that when Paul speaks of psalms and hymns, he means the same thing. He means psalms. At the same time, we should not disregard the fact that that songs can also include other parts of Scripture, which we would call hymns, like Song of Moses, the Magnificat of Benedictus of Zechariah, and so we have our 150 psalms, but we also have other hymns that are based on passages of scripture. The third thing is spiritual songs, or songs talking about the 150 psalms. At the same time, we know that the word that Paul uses here is also used in the New Testament. For instance, in Revelation 5, we read there about a new song, a new song that is composed because of the coronation of our Lord Jesus Christ to the right hand of God. And the song goes like this, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood, from every tribe and language and people and nations. So from this, I, I would conclude, looking at the three terms that Paul uses here, he certainly is thinking primarily of the 150 psalms. He would probably include with that certain portions of scripture like the, the, the Song of Moses or the, the Benedictus of Zechariah at the birth of John the Baptist, and there would be opening for other hymns as well that are thoroughly based on Scripture and on Scriptural teachings. But I think you can appreciate that Paul primarily has an eye here for the 150 Psalms. Now, why, why do we make this point? Why do we make it? is the difference between a nail and a screw. You can use both a nail and a screw to put two pieces of wood together, but they go together quite differently. A nail, you just hit it a couple times and you drive it straight in. Well, you can try to drive in a screw driving in a nail. Hymns by and large, they they are songs of praise to God. Easily understood, easily sung, give praise to God. And and they're beautiful, but you know, brothers and sisters, sometimes you can tire of them. You know, with uh, Synod Burlington, we adopted a few new hymns. For instance, Great is Thy Faithfulness, and we're all very happy about it him you can tire very quickly of fears of hopes of dashed expectations of glaring contradictions and frustrations in life in the Psalms people are talking about real experience experiences and often they hurt sometimes when you sing a psalm you don't even really understand what it's talking about or who is talking in there Like you're trying to drive a screw in with a hammer it's getting mashed it's difficult it's complicated and they ask questions of god quite demanding why psalm, psalm 10 why oh lord do you stand far off why do you ha- hide yourself in times of trouble or psalm 22 oh my god my god my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, and am not silent. And that goes on. Is the psalmist happy? Is he in a good place? Is he comfortable? No, he's not. He's upset, and he's upset with God, and he demands answers. But you know what, brothers and road in the Psalter, you learn about yourself. You find depicted in it all the movements of your soul, all its girlfriend has dumped you and you're broken-hearted. Or you're in a business deal and your, your business partner has ripped you off and destroyed you financially. You've been at the doctor's office and you learn you've got cancer. Or one of your children has a, has a, a, a terrible disease. Don't keep it inside. Don't bottle it up. psalms is that as we sing them and go through them, they help us to express our true feelings and and the struggles, the joys, the, the privileges, the heartbreak, the dashed, the dashed broken heart. It all comes out in the psalms. They are absolutely amazing, much more so than confession of Jesus Christ, my God, who died for me. Another one, I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Beautiful hymn, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Know him. Talks like that. Talking about the, the pain and the fear of when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I had a, a, a dear sister in the congregation many years ago who really didn't like our book of praise. She didn't care much for the 150 psalms. services anymore so she listened to the sermons at home on tape at that time and she said, you know, in the final years of her life, she says, you know what speaks to me? What speaks to me is the Psalms. I, I love the hymns but the Psalms, that that's meaningful for me let your foot slip he does not sleep he does not slumber anyway we'll move on now to our, our second point and uh, if you're not yet convinced of the superiority and the beauty and the intricacy and the the, the realness of the psalms uh, maybe we can see that in our second point who is in the psalm and in the psalm of course is our lord jesus christ you we say well was on the old cross, Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. Yes, he's in the hymns, but he's in the psalm in a very special way. Try to make this uh, as clear as I I can and take an example. Let's say Psalm 69. In Psalm 69, David is, is hurting, he's frustrated, he's going through great difficulty, and he writes, verse 17, that his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The disciples, even that early on, although there there was so much they didn't understand about Jesus Christ, they understood that when David wrote Psalm 69, and it seemed like David was talking about his own experiences, ultimately, David was talking about just about David. Psalm 69 is about our Lord Jesus Christ, who felt the insults of men, how they treated their God, and what they were doing there in the temple with their money changing. You know, and the, the Psalms are like that. Do you, do you ever notice how many of the Psalms speak about the king? And The king is harassed, he is persecuted, he's even, he even Those are often written by David, and we say, yeah, look look at David's experience when he was almost killed by Saul or the Philistines or his own son Absalom. But ultimately, brothers and sisters, the king in Psalms is our Lord Jesus Christ. He was harassed. He was rejected. He did not receive his legitimate glory. and his disciples would eat and they would pray. Then they would sing a psalm or a hymn and, and there it clearly meant one of the 150 psalms. Jesus sang the psalms with us. about our Lord Jesus Christ that question is is something that John the Baptist struggled with when Jesus came to him to be baptized he said in Matthew 3 I need to be baptized by you do you come to me and then we read Jesus replied let it be so now it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness now it is true that Jesus had no sin but we also know that he came into the Psalm 40. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You know what happens when I sing that? Against you, Lord, I have sinned. My Lord Jesus Christ comes alongside of me in the psalm as I sing and says, Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be made as white as snow. us comes alongside of us and he is our good shepherd to the hills i lift my eyes and i'm not afraid i'm not afraid because jesus is with me my comforter my savior he doesn't let my foot slip he doesn't let anything separate me from the love of god that's what makes the psalms songs of praise, but it is in the song that the Son of God, who became man, who knows me better than I know myself, who knows my trials and tribulations, who has been tempted in every way, he comes alongside of me, and my song becomes his song, to my Lord and my Savior. He takes all my... all the trials of life, nothing could separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I would love to give so many more examples of the Psalms, but we need to move on. So we'll come to the final point. How do we sing the Psalms? I think that one thing that we all know is that Something else that you might not know, because it's not commonly taught, the book of Psalms is a book in its entirety. Psalm 1 is clearly the introduction to the whole book of Psalms, and Psalm 150, which we sang together, is a conclusion with heartfelt praise and song to God. it's not until Psalm 149 that you come to the conclusion and the answer that our king, although he is harassed, although he was oppressed, ultimately he is victorious, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. But to get back to Psalm 1, as I said, Psalm 1 is an introduction to the whole book of Psalms. And we read there, that's the man of God he meditates on God's word day and night now we all appreciate that the word meditate means you need to reflect on it you need to think on the word of God you need to absorb it you need to pray about it so that truly what is said there is laid on on your heart but there's something else about that word it's a, a got to be the most raw emotion it has to be confessed it has to be spoken it has to be sung that's the point of the psalms the psalms are not just to be read they're not just to be reflected on you need to sing it because then it reaches its full expression and its power because that knowledge that's in your mind and the joy that's in your heart is lifted out it it, it takes wings It, it, it takes flight it, it lifts up the soul as we can express what we know and what we feel. And ultimately, it is to the praise and the glory of God. And, and that's, that's the point of our, our text this afternoon where Paul says, Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, I hear, hear that word of God, and and it's 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 touching me, it's affecting me, and as a congregational member, I've been very silent, I've been very listening. There's a whole lot of emotion being bottled up inside, and then we rise, and we can sing, and then the word of God really dwells in our heart richly, and we teach one another, we encourage one another as our woman or a boy or a girl who who may have gone through very difficult times but has joy and gratitude in his or her heart and I hear that in the song we build one another up in our singing and we also uh, let the word of God Brothers and sisters in the Old Testament love to sing the Psalms. Our Lord Jesus Christ and his disciples were always... Sadly, by the late 18th century, the man by the... from the hymns and rediscovering the the psalms. There have even been requests for our book of praise. There's a love, a joy, an appreciation among greater Christendom of the sun does a successive He will not let my foot slip. He does not slumber. He always takes care of me. That song touches my soul, my deepest emotion, my deepest need, and I know